have some fucked up shit happening in our house. Yeah. Yeah, you guys got ghosts, right? Well, okay, so, you know, we live on a graveyard. Um, well, the, actually, we find- let, let me set the full thing out, is that, like, we knew what we were getting into because we bought the last house on the left, on the left next to a graveyard for uh, a steal. Like, um, it, it's not as... It, the house should be worth more than it is. So, like... And it had been sold, like, three times in five years. Yeah. (laughs) It was literally, like, Amityville Horror. And and, and the owner previous to this one, to the last one that we Mm -hmm. bought it from, like, didn't die in the house, but, like, lived in the house long enough that our, the deed that the set, or the, uh, the, um, the plot maps that the cemetery has, um, that, for reasons we'll get into, I, I looked at recently, has like that dead lady's name on it. Like, it's like the, called her lot. It's yeah. like named after her. Yeah. Huh. I think she might have died in this house. Maybe. Um, Interesting. But well, maybe he died inside in the house. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've got like, you know, like so, a pre death ghost. So we had a dead tree fall, like half of a tree fall into our yard during a windstorm a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And we called the insurance company and they said, we will only take care of this kind of damage if you send a certified letter to the person whose property that tree is on, which would be the cemetery. Mm-hmm. So we did that. We sent a certified letter saying there are some trees on your property that we have concerns about. Um, we're, you know, sending this letter to let you know that if it damages our property, you may be held liable for, you know, the cleanup. Because we, we spent like 300. 300- and I should say, we, we were very nice in that we said that, like, we're only doing this because our insurance company told us. Yes. <laughs> and it was like 350 bucks to clean up after that tree. So that's mm-hmm. like not a small chunk of change. So cue two fucking years later. We wake up one morning to see that they have cut down almost every single tree on our property line, including many that we thought were on our property. But it turns out they weren't. And our property line ends much closer to the house than we thought it did, which is actually great because we've been mowing their yard for free for (laughs) fucking four years. Um, But they uncovered some new tombstones that they did not know about. They were like tombstones that had been just buried by like ground. Like they like, like there's a lot of like brush that grows in that area. That's just not really like cared for because it's kind of like, it's not, it's like a no man's land between our house and the cemetery. Yeah. Um, And it's like on a slope. So like stuff falls down on it and they are, and here's the thing. They are small headstones because a lot of them are children. A lot of them died from like scarlet fever yeah. and like you know it's that period. Yeah, are there, like are the names legible? Some uh, of them. On some of them, most of them not because um, they, they I, haven't been cared for. I think you should reach out to them by name. I think we should not. Q last night. Yeah. So David and I are laying in bed, get, like I'm on just the brink of sleep, and we hear this sound that's almost like a cat going up the stairs but it's a little it's like louder it's heavier and it's more stairs than we have so it's like this knocking um after like i had heard it go up for more you know the moment i became alarmed was when i was like we have fewer stairs than that sound and so like david who's always my hero and he jumps out of bed and you know goes downstairs to check it out while i'm like scared the masculine the urge in the, to, yeah. to, to investigate things that go bump in the night. Yep. And protect. Yep. He protect. Um, 
And we couldn't find anything. We were down there for probably 10 minutes, like looking everywhere, looking out all the windows. Like I was sure that we were going to see somebody walking away, but we didn't. So we go back to, I stay, I'm up for like an hour after that. I just listening for any fucking sound. Finally fall asleep. Today, right before we record, we hear that sound again, the exact same sound. And I ran down again and I could hear it. It stopped like the last like knocks happened when I was at the base of the stairs and I don't know where it came from. I have no idea where it came from. And last night it stopped when he got on the stairs. Yeah. Like it only stopped when David started approaching it. So is what you're hearing potentially like the, 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 the steps of like small child in like homespun leather shoes <laughs> like actually the thing is that like it's it's pretty heavy like it's a yeah like, it's, it's heavy. a solid like like knock like like maybe like uh an old uh rotund lawyer who built a house <laughs> at the outskirts of town like, you know, our house was built by an old rotund lawyer. Yeah. Interesting. And it was the out- outskirts of town at the time it was built. Interesting. Um, yeah. It's really weird, man. I don't know. We'll keep you posted. Whatever happens. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we're still around to record next week. Yeah. Hopefully I'm it, around I, to edit and release this episode. I think you should reach out to him by name. You know, I don't think I'm going to do that. Because then they <laughs> might stop creeping around. Maybe they, like as soon as they know that like their presence is welcome, they'll just like chill out with you maybe maybe they'll come on the pod and riff it's not welcome their presence is not welcome we we can do go away fourth and fifth mics you know for Mm -mm. whatever nah no and when you when you acknowledge a ghost you give it you you or an entity you give it power you feed it i've watched enough horror movies to know that okay well i'm just saying you know like maybe it's a friendly ghost i don't care i don't want to casper nah I don't want it. Wasn't Christina Ricci and Casper? Yes. Uh, it was a very horny movie for being <laughs> about children and a ghost. Especially since, like, I, I remember distinctly a scene where, like, you know, there, there's it's the classic Casper, or it's just like a, you know, it has all the gender of an M&M, you know? Just, like, mm-hmm. perfectly. Speaking just, of, we'll get ra- into that. <laughs> yeah, like, like round, a- asexual, like, not like Casper thing. But then, like, there's some, I remember some sort of like spell thing that happens or, or something where like it turns into like a dude. Like, it, it, yeah, he turns into a real boy. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. Christine, Christina Ricci's like, what up? And he's and hot. That, yeah. Like if you're if you're because I remember <laughs> I was a maybe preteen girl when that movie came out. I don't remember how old I was, but yeah. he's like he's hot. He's a hot boy. Like and you see him. And you're like, Oh, my God. Casper's <laughs> Casper's so hot. That's, that's fucked up. Like, why it's fucked up. I know it's really fucked up. So we've got fuckable ghosts and now unfuckable M&Ms. Yeah, Everything M&Ms. is just all topsy turvy. Yeah. I don't know what candies I'm horny for anymore. They're they're taken away. Like all my what's happening with the M&Ms. I've seen some memes on. They're Instagram, making them but... genderqueer or whatever. I don't know. They, it's they, it's they because like... Mars was about to get sued for child trafficking child. and slavery. <laughs> And, slavery, and some CEO yeah. was like, change the gender of all the M&Ms. Just like smoke screen, smoke screen. <laughs> is, that, is that what happened? I mean, I both of so, those things yeah. are true. They, have, they, are, they are doing something weird with the gender of M&M characters and 
uh, pretty much every large company that sells a chocolate product is being sued for child slavery. They're they're wokeifying the M and M's. Like I think the orange one has anxiety or something now, and like the <laughs> there's like a they got rid of her heels or they made her they made the green M and M's heels like not as high. And oh yeah, they gave gave like, her Larry, Larry David sneakers. Yeah, they got rid of her like eyebrows. I don't know. (laughs) They're just, you know, like Tucker Carlson would tell you that they're, you know, turning them all into like uh, ambiguously gendered animals. Which I, which I realized talking to David about this the other night is like the 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 conservative mind. One of the biggest fears in the conservative mind is like not knowing if you should want to fuck something or not. Like being confused about whether or not it's okay for you to want to fuck something. Yeah, like yeah. I think that's why they hate trans people. They hate non-binary people. And they're obsessed they're with very AOC. Upset. They're obsessed with AOC. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think why I'm why hate but else. want to fuck? <laughs> <laughs> why no, hot understand. but also liberal? Yeah. What? what what's oh, happening? Boy. All right, we do actually have serious things to talk about. <laughs> Believe it or not. Um, let's just get started with the modern day indentured servitude. <sighs> so these, these healthcare workers in Wisconsin, um, are, and I'm sure you, you listeners may have already heard about this, but they work at this hospital and they're like per- particular types of trauma, um, healthcare providers, like especially for victims of stroke and particularly complicated bleed outs. And anyway, they applied for these jobs at a, at a nearby hospital. Um, and, you know, they were basically just better jobs. They had better the, – the employees cited uh, better pay, better benefits, and a better work-life balance, which is obviously very important for healthcare workers in this the year of our Lord 2022. So they gave notice back in December. And then just a couple of days before they were to start their new jobs, their employer, ThetaCare – um, filed a motion with the court to basically halt their transfer. And the judge granted it. The judge has has given them a temporary block for these employees to not be able to go to their new jobs until what? their current employer is able to find replacements for them. What? So again, th- th- these are at-will employees. Who can will, be of fired course, for any reason anything. at any time. You could sneeze in the wrong direction. You could bring stinky food into the lunchroom. Anything you could just be fired for. But if they all leave for a better job, their employer goes to a judge and makes it impossible for them to accept the new job. They're not going to the old job. They're not going to the old job because, like, why would you? And and we and still and not fortunately yet. the judge fortunately the judge can't force them to yeah, work yet uh, which is good but the judge can force them to not work yes that and is I mean think insane. about it if you aren't allowed to take a new job you need money like these are still you know I don't know wh- what their pay schedule is like but I would imagine the impetus for their you know old employer doing this would be to coerce them to come back to work. Yeah. Because they need a paycheck. Yeah, this is like, like the, especially I, for nurses who are likely paid hourly. So, what did the judge even say? Like, just like took out an AR fifteen, like cocked it in front of them, and said, <laughs> "What about essential worker? Do you not understand?" Well, yeah, I mean, basically, like they they made so Theta Care, which is their their past employer, is a level two trauma center, um, which means that they need certain types of specialists in order to be. The place that they take certain types of sick people to go. 
So in other words, if you if you're a victim, if you're a victim, if you're a patient with a stroke, um, a victim of a you, stroke, a victim. Of, yeah. Is it a, yeah. If you've been that stroke or someone you, you love has been victimized by a stroke, <laughs> <laughs> call this number. Um, then like you would on, they would only send you to a hospital that's capable of treating that stroke, which is a particular you know, specific type of medicine. Yeah. So if they lose these employees, they lose their status as a level two trauma center. Yeah, I understand um, that. And I guess the judge just decided that it was in the interest of the public that um, these people not be allowed to properly leave their job. But because the judge can't force them to work, like it doesn't it's it's like it almost actually, nonsensical. Yeah, it doesn't achieve the um, the objective unless this is an open threat to keep other people from being able to, you know, at will leave their employer. Yeah, and so right? that, I think, is really the impetus here is not so much that they so desperately need these employees to stay on. I think it's telling other employees, if you leave for a better gig, you better watch out because I can get a ju- I can get a legal injunction to stop you from getting your new job. And Theta Care um, accused this other hospital, Ascension, um, of poaching their employees, but they didn't. They just posted job listings which means that your employees were already looking for new jobs so maybe uh write that down in your little notebook i mean is there any other precedent for this like i can't think of an analogous situation in which this has happened one thing that i'm thinking of is that uh, like where apple this is not completely like the same but apple and google and maybe microsoft i don't remember for a long time were in in an illegal um basically like labor price fixing scheme where they all agreed at very top at like the, the very like CEO level, like C-suite level that Mm -hmm. um, they wouldn't uh, hire each other's um, employees. So like uh, uh, there's like um, uh, emails that have been found of like Steve jobs and uh, like um, uh, the guy, the Google guy, Mr. Google. Yeah. Um, uh, Like, saying big like getting mad at each other or like why did one of your recruiters call my my senior engineer and then he's like oh sorry that was a mistake i fired that recruiter i'm so sorry (laughs) wow but clearly these hospitals do not and that the judge told these two employers that they should spend the weekend trying to work something out between themselves and this is so but, but they, they've been saying that they were going to leave for like a month right so it's like it's yeah, not like there's anything left had, to work out they and they they had the opportunity to present their employees with a counter offer something that would that would encourage them to stay in their current job yep. and they didn't they, according to the employees they didn't even offer anything they said uh and i quote the long-term expense to theta care was not worth the short-term cost what this is insane I know. I, I, I'm trying to think of any analogous situation. Like, I can't, I mean, nothing like, comes to mind. Like, I don't know, like, like imagine in 40, you couldn't leave the Lord's land. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Van Rensselaer Manor, perhaps. Um, but like, 
it, there's, you know, non-compete clauses, which are also, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we were talking are, about this you know, off mic, which are also bullshit. Um, yeah. I think I you mean, should be able to work wherever the fuck you want if somebody's yeah. willing to hire you. And but, the idea there is to, like, protect trade secrets, right? You know, like, that's sort of the 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 the, the, the basic, like, ideological case or rationale trade secrets for are, Trade secrets should be illegal. No secrets allowed. <laughs> no, corporations shouldn't be allowed to have any secrets. But I'm just trying to think, like, let's think of, okay, so imagine... All right. So imagine if um, you were a coal worker, right? And pre, um, you know, the the disinvestment from coal, um, you were like, oh, I'm just going to go work for this solar manufacturer. And then like a judge is like, the hell you aren't. You know, like, what the fuck? We need that coal. You're going to leave us all in the lurch? You're going to you're going to make us fucking go a day without one little bit of coal fuck you like i just i can't imagine this happening literally anywhere else well and a lot of people so i've read quite a few articles about this um and a lot of people are like baffled as to how this is even legal like you know not like i'm any big champion of separation between the public and private sector but the Mm -hmm. notion that a judge can tell an employer that they're not allowed to hire somebody is like pretty fucking wild and as best i can tell uh, un, uh unprecedented um so who knows maybe this judge will get in trouble for doing this i don't I have no idea but like you have to you get to a certain point where it's like this is a this is a time old conservative complaint so forgive me for using it and it's probably because i've been working on the phyllis schlafly series but this notion of like judicial activism like judicial like judges Activist legislating judges. from the bench yeah exactly yeah. i mean this is a much more clear instance of that than say like a like protections for abortion like those are at least civil rights mm-hmm. this is a judge literally telling a private entity that they are not allowed to hire a group of people because their current employer doesn't like it like that's just crazy yeah, and that the extension of the effect on the rest of society is so powerful that, like, it's rational to intervene in this private affair. Like, oh, no, stroke victims will have to get sent to another hospital that, as far as I can tell, isn't even that far away. Like, that's what it is. And that's that's really like they are just jockeying with each other for this the status of being a level two or a level three trauma center. Because it's very lucrative to be a higher level trauma center. You're getting yeah. more complicated patients sent to you. You're doing more complicated, more costly procedures. Mm-hmm. So this is all about a bottom line like profit. It's a it's a profit deal. Yeah. Well, it, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, you uh, like listeners will remember like around here, uh, Albany Medical Center, who's a level one trauma center, does like. So, you know, like your head gets cut off, they'll sew it back on like the like the most the worst trauma imaginable like they deal with. And and by virtue of that, by having a monopoly on level one trauma center care, they uh, pay their nurses like shit because nurses need that uh, work experience to move up in their careers. Right. So like there, there is stuff like that. The one thing I'm thinking of that makes this not completely unprecedented is the entire body of labor law uh, surrounding like what is a legal and an illegal strike. Like in New York state, we have something called the Taylor law, which means that like public employees can't strike. Right. But those are public employees. Mm. Uh, um, uh, But the, but the, the legal rationale underneath it is that like, it is uh, not a public good. Like 
but because we've decided that this job should be uh, run by the state, it by it definitionally means it's essential, and there's a lot of harm if it sto- if it doesn't get done. So yeah. you can't strike. But it's all bullshit. Anyway. Like I don't agree yeah. with that. And it's bullshit anyway. So like I don't I don't have enough expertise uh, to know if this is true or not. But trying to you know stretching my brain to think of an analogy of this. Um, I think there's a situation where non commissioned officers or commissioned officers, one of the two, can even after retirement be basically just like put back into service in a war effort. I think that that but might be a thing. But the difference is you agree to that. Like, like, but a long time ago, which is well, to say yeah, you, like, you broke your agreement. You decided to like it's still, quit. <laughs> it's you know? still wrong and bad, but there is a very significant difference in that you agree to that when you sign up. Yeah. These workers did not agree to be held hostage if they want to change where they work. Like yeah, that they, is. They, they signed up for the war on strokes. So, you know, it's like. <laughs> When duty calls, like, who the fuck are they to, like, you know, have any say in, you know, bodily autonomy or, you know, anything? No, you know what? You know what? There's precedent for this. Um, The movie The Rock, where (laughs) uh, Sean Connery's character is in jail, but they're like, we'll let you out if you do this one thing. Yeah. I'll do it for you. It's like. (laughs) So this maybe leads naturally into this. This video that was uh, filmed and released by the New York Times where they actually interview some nurses about this deliberate hospital understaffing that's been going on for like decades. Um, And it's really good. I'll I'll put it in the in the show notes if anybody wants to watch it. But, you know, we hear a lot about like the mistreatment of nurses by patients in the age of covid Um, generally, generally, but also like how much worse it's gotten under covid and they talk about that a little bit but it's obvious that like the real driving factor behind the nearly 1 in 5 nurses who have resigned and not returned to that work over the course of the pandemic isn't is not just about like poor treatment it's also just about complete and utter burnout and their employer's refusal to uh like hire new staff you, we're seeing this increasingly in all kinds of sectors of employment where, you know, management fires somebody and now the remaining employees are just doing the job of another person with no increase in pay. And that's happening to nurses, too. But the difference is that when it happens to them, people die. And so mm. they're like watching patients die needlessly solely because they don't have one extra nurse working that shift who can care for them. Mm. Yeah, like uh, uh... If if anyone listens to Chopper Trap House, they had like uh, I think his name is Andy Hudson. His last name's definitely Hudson, but yeah, you know, he, you know, he was a nurse, and they in Detroit, and they he he talked a lot about a lot of the same things that were in this uh, this video. But like, I mean, the thing that they bring up that I think that's important is the idea of flex staffing, right? Which is right. that what um, hospitals have been doing in America for a very long time, which is basically a, like a nice way of saying that, you know, they, they hire the minimum amount of people possible to do the bare minimum. And that means that uh, when you have a thing like COVID, there's just not enough people. And the, and you just like, it's the thing that just like made me furious. And I'm like, still, I'm literally shaking. No, um, but you know, like the, the, is this, this thing where it's like, they know that like they they're 
they're not going to get everything done because they have an yep. inhuman amount of work. Yep. And they're just like, I'm, I'm waiting for the time that I like miss something and someone dies. And like, that's, well, that's n- just yeah. not, yeah. In the case of, um, uh, Hudson, he said, you know, I'm not only waiting for that. It happens all it the happened. time. Yeah. Like that's all the, the time. Like, the, yeah. The yeah. yeah like I'm, I'm going Times, to work and I know that these people are going to die and I'm going to carry that guilt home with me. And it's not my fucking fault. Like I will am always trying to work as hard as I possibly can. And I, it isn't going to be enough. There's like, I, the, the, these hospital CEOs have homes, uh, that you can probably drive to. (laughs) I'm just saying like, non-actionable. Yeah, I, I didn't say what you should do when you find those homes, but like, I like, but really though, like, I, there are write them a strongly worded many. letter. Like, how many <laughs> hospital CEOs are there? Like, let's get a list going. Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah, sound I, off in the commons. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we've talked before about the on-demand economy and how much it has fucked everything in the age of covid like everything from manufacturing and stocking of basic goods to basic services that like the nature of capital is to always increasingly move towards on demand services because it, you know you want you want to operate on as small margins as possible with as yeah. little overhead as possible yeah. and this is you know this is another you want just enough nurses so that your labor costs are lower that are as low as possible relative to your to how much money you're able to take in from patients. And that is not a recipe for good health care. This is why this is why everybody, you know, who's going and dying at a hospital because it's understaffed needs to get on Yelp and they need to leave some strongly worded reviews about how the hospital is understaffed so that people can when they're having a dire medical emergency, shop around. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. look at the reviews of these institutions, say, hmm, you know, this one's got two and a half stars, but this one only has two. So think I'm gonna go for the two and a half. Yeah. 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 Either but that or I'm those... seeing double vision because of my <laughs> stroke. <laughs> but sometimes with those, you got to really dig into the actual reviews themselves. And I, yeah. and I do recommend usually taking time to read the reviews because yeah. a lot of the poor reviews are just user error. Right. Yeah. Like sometimes yeah. it'll be like, I, you know, I went and I had a I had a, a can stuck on my head and I couldn't get the can off. Yeah. And like, I don't think it's fair to review the hospital based on like your mistake of getting a can stuck on your head. So and, and you I know, know your just partner be savvy. Yeah, your partner might be bleeding out in the passenger seat of your car, but like we live in a consumer economy. And if you're not going to be doing the due diligence to become a informed consumer before you make your choice as to your medical provider, really, that's on you. And you should be ashamed. So you should just be grateful that our hospitals are so efficient because the profit mode is the most efficient Oh, yeah. I mean, they advertise the cost of their services, services, like right there. You know, you just like, you know exactly how much it's going to cost you for, you know, inpatient treatment. And you're you are the informed consuming public. Man, speaking of, (laughs) no, well, you're going to hate it even more after this story. This is just a covid day. And, you know, we apologize. But that's what's happening in our little world. Um, so this COVID testing company called Center for COVID Control 
which has 300 pop-up sites across the United States, is facing multiple probes after charges of uh, basically scamming people. The um, the founder, who's 29 years old, uh, their previous experience was starting an axe-throwing lounge and a donut shop. Okay. They started up this uh this like pop-up testing these this series of facilities and there have been like dozens and dozens of complaints um from people saying that their test results were late or that they never came at all or that they the tests were never conducted at all um that they were charged exorbitant fees that were not what was advertised like I mean like testing is supposed to be free, like supposedly the government is offering free testing through all of these private, you know, through Walgreens and CVS mm-hmm. and hospitals and wherever else. Um, and like here in the Capital District, especially when the, in this beginning of this recent strike, strike spike, um, people were waiting three hours to get a test at the mall, which is like the main covid testing site in the region. And they were sitting in a Ruby Tuesday surrounded by an abandoned Ruby Tuesday, just like the perfect picture of this like late capitalist hellscape with surrounded by a bunch of other people who might have COVID. So like if you didn't have have COVID COVID going in, you probably have it coming out. Yeah. So these, and there are tons of these types of like scam companies that are cropping up all across the country where, you know, they're offering like better, faster service than a lot of the free COVID uh, testing sites, but they're fucking scams. They're not even doing tests. They're just taking your money. They're collecting tons of information from these people, including taking pictures of their driver's license and asking for their social security numbers. What? So like doing some data harvesting for profit on the side? uh, It's hard to say because the probes are only just like they haven't actually started digging into what these companies are actually doing. But it's fucking crazy that the government is just allowing these completely unregulated you know, ostensibly pur- purveyors of a murder of a medical service. They don't have proper licensing. Um, and one thing that's a lot of these places are only being shut down by uh, federal centers for Medicare and Medicaid, which means that without those government health care services, there would be nothing else to shut these places down. Yeah, they would just still be doing their their they bullshit. Sh- yeah. And w- and what's incredible is that the, these co- these companies call themselves a marketing and management company that collects samples. Yeah, and then they just put it, they just give it to a lab. That's all they do. Which is, I, I which when I th- put my my myself in the mind of axe thrower donut shop guy, <laughs> it's like so that's it. It's, it's just it's pure marketing, and then this very uh, simple test that there's plenty of government money to uh, um, to buy. Uh, and then I'll just partner with a lab and, and send it. What could go wrong? And, and it turns out a shit ton of stuff. Yeah. yeah Susie, you know, confused the um, the, the axe target with the uh, test results. And like, <laughs> now there's a fucking axe in it. This donut does not have COVID. Uh, yeah, this is crazy. Um, y- you'd think that this kind of thing would, would um, not happen. Two years into a pandemic where we've, you know, spent a fortune on trying to figure out how to um, uh, make testing um, available. Well, it kind of makes sense that it's happening now, right? Because this is the biggest spike we've seen yet. Um, This is the first time during the quarantine that despite 
a, a rapid increase in numbers, everybody's still being forced to go back to work. Mm-hmm. So the demand for testing has never been higher. Mm-hmm. Um, the demand has, as I mentioned with the Albany testing site, completely overwhelmed government and free testing sites. So, you know, uh, capitalism hates a hates a void. It's got to move in. It's got to it's got to pick up that consumer demand for testing. And um, surprise, surprise, the way it does it is just a, by fucking scamming people out of their money. Because it's expensive to do a laboratory test, but you know what's really cheap? Just taking people's money and then not doing anything. Sticking a Q-tip up someone's nose. Yep, Q-tips are cheap. <laughs> Okay, did you know that apparently Brazil has a law against quackery? There should be a law. There ought to be a law. (laughs) There ought to be a law against quackery. But the question then becomes, so who's determining who's a quack? Well, the parliament is determining that Bolsonaro is a quack. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they have some uh, jurisdiction. (laughs) Yeah, I think if anybody has the right to determine quackery, it should probably be parliament, right? Um, so they have accused him um, of nine specific crimes. These are just fascinating crimes. Crime of responsibility, incitement to crime, irregular employment of public funds, forgery of private documents, crimes against humanity, prevarication, quackery, crime of infraction of sanitary measure, and epidemic crime. Epidemic crime. What is epidemic crime? It's a crime um, you do during epidemic, I guess. It's a, I guess crime. it's a pandemic. Yeah, so, so I, I did an epidemic crime, you know, a couple of days ago. You sneeze on someone? No, I just, I went out and had fun in public and played oh. a rock show. <laughs> and uh, honestly, um, who's going to hold me accountable? Yeah, the, the Brazilian parliament. No, I, yeah. the, the, it should be said that this, this uh, uh, these charges came as... Um, uh, Brazil had its uh, Black Consciousness or Black Awareness Day uh, is on November 20th. It's a national holiday. Brazil has the largest Black population outside the continent of Africa. Uh, and so in, in, uh, during that, on that day, there were um, tons of protests with uh, hundreds of thousands of people um, calling for, basically, calling Bolsonaro a... a, a um, uh, a, a genocidal maniac, which is true. So I don't know how I don't know how like you hold a tyrant accountable. Um, don't they have elections coming up soon? They yeah, do. you hold them accountable in the ballot box. That's yeah, how you that, do exactly. Vote. Don't boo, vote. But yeah, uh, uh, Lula is um, expected to uh, to win if if, if uh, some Michigas doesn't doesn't happen. Yeah, if first. it's a fair election, which yeah. seems extremely unlikely yeah but he's not been uh jailed uh this time around which was yeah for a while last time so how long until school shootings start being done by parents i think we're getting pretty close yeah did you guys see that uh clip with the uh the woman who who promised to show up um she went to her school board and was, you know, demanding that they stop uh, the mask mandate and that um, she was going to show up on Monday with uh, every gun uh, locked and loaded and ready to go. Uh, and then they're like, <laughs> the, the moderator was just like, all right, that's your time. Like Three right minutes. after she makes like a <laughs> lethal threat against everyone. Doesn't she start off by saying, last time I went over my time? Yeah. 
Like, she starts <sighs> off with this weird rambling, like, preamble to what she's going to say. The first minute and, and a half is basically her just saying how she should have more time. And what the general public doesn't know is that sweet Mr. Cave came up and keyed the microphone um, requesting backup for arrest because I continue to speak past uh, my time allotment. Um, working in the dental field, if somebody has a p- problem, I don't just cut them off at 15 minutes and say, oh, I'm sorry, we didn't get that a problem addressed, but if you make another appointment, we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Yeah. 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 I just thought that was so funny. Like, she threatens to kill everybody there, and they're like, all right, your time's up. So this happened on Thursday. She has been charged um, with a violation of uh, Code of Virginia 18.2, oral threat while on school property. Yeah, you can't threaten to bring all of your loaded, fully loaded guns to a school campus because they try to enforce a policy. Like, that's, it's not, a, you're not allowed to do that. Yet that is the logical extension of getting a bunch of, like, right-wing zealots to uh, go and, like, you know, harass their school board uh, perpetually as a political strategy. Yeah, right. Well, and that's why I asked, like, how long before, like, the school shootings are just no longer done by students but by parents? Like, it, we are—school board meetings have, over the last two years, become increasingly unhinged. In all parts of the country. We've talked about it with the Saratoga, um, those fucking whatever, Saratoga first or whatever their name is. Mo- those moving freaks. Saratoga forward or moving something like that. Moving Saratoga forward, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, they, um, and, and also, it, but in between the uh, threat to murder everyone with a gun or multiple guns and uh, um, ranting about how she didn't have enough time the last time she did this, um, in the middle is like some mealy mouth thing about bathroom bills and how uh uh references to like trans bathroom bills and like uh quote unquote like let boys into girls bathrooms and stuff so these people are such freaks it's just all of it together in the in the same the same uh frightening person who i I, like in in the process is saying like Per the email I sent you yesterday and the last time I was here. And it just it just seems like this this woman like just (laughs) is never like not constantly harassing her school board. (laughs) Yeah. Which I mean, to be honest, like, you know, communists get on it, like start harassing (laughs) your school board. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. Another thing that's really weird about this is that um, she is out on bail she's out on a five thousand dollar unsecured bond which basically just means that you promise to pay it yourself like it's not backed by anything um so if she dips if she you know skips bond then she promises she'll pay it back but she threatened to shoot people at a school on monday yeah and they let her out on bond to see if she does monday Like, that's just like, oh man, that's fucking cr- what? Yeah. Well, if they held her till Monday, she'll just reschedule. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, shit is crazy. Shit is absolutely crazy. And, um, you know, like the, the whole, uh, Lumpkin victory, you know, just, um, shows how quickly, um, the mythology, um, that, you know, which is to say, like, 
not necessarily um, in a reductive way use of the word like myth is in is simply a falsehood, but the, like the more um, powerful uh, you know definition of it, which is to say like a story that gives um, perspective and meaning and purpose to your life. Um, the mythology uh, that we are consuming as Americans is like driving this uh, epistemological crisis, right? And that you can have like a small you know, number of generators of these myths and stories, um, basically get like millions and millions of people on board with a whole version of reality that is not only true to them, but like urgent and like actionable and like incredibly important. And so, you know, like CRT becoming like the thing that they're like suddenly wicked, wicked motivated about enough that they're like rescheduling their weeks so that they can be on the school boards to just like, you know, foam at the mouth and spit at their teachers and like threaten to, you know, kill all the enemy teachers on the side of their cars and shit. Like, yeah, this is powerful stuff. Yellow truck, man. Yeah. (laughs) Like this is powerful stuff. And I feel like the only way we're going to get out of this epistemological crisis is like with new mythology. Like somehow trying to figure out how to short circuit, you know, the the myth making in our society so that like you can create more powerful myths that get people to not want to kill each other. Yeah, good luck. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've said before in this show, I used to do a lot of, uh, you know, popular, not populars and a lot of people liked it, populars and non-academic writing. Um, I don't know, like 12 people probably liked it. But I used to talk a lot about how there was this outrage or, you know, fear mongering over the Internet and how it was ruining everything in the whole world. And I was like, not really. I mean, the Internet's complicated. It's not that bad. I take all of it back, though. Like if I could unwrite all those things. No, the Internet has ruined the world. Um, I did not foresee what would happen in the era of Trump and coronavirus. These people have given all of their brain cells to Mark Zuckerberg. They don't have any anymore. And um, it's terrifying. I, I think so, the internet was a mistake. Let's get rid of it. So, are, do you think? Are you like a, a subscriber of like rolling back to like a pre-internet culture um, through some type of intervention, or do you sort of think like I'm sort of of the opinion that the only way th- um, out is through? You I know, need, I, w- I want re-education camps. I'm ready for the Marxist revol- revolution and the re-education camps. Yeah. I, yeah, I think this is where non-actionable. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I strongly, uh, disagree. I think that, yeah, you I know, know, I think that we just, I just think we just need to figure out how to, 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 to reach people with more compelling and accurate myths. Yeah. I used to say that same thing all the time on a weekly basis. Well, you know, I don't believe it anymore. <laughs> Cause uh, what, how, like how, I mean, well, you know, you got to build the, the, the Patreon base. That's step one. <laughs> step one. Uh, <laughs> subscribe to us at patreon.com slash ironweeds. Uh, For as little as $1 a month, you too can deprogram your wine, your wine aunt, uh, I, Cheryl. Like, I don't know. I think that maybe just like figuring out how to cross pollinate between the, you know, like the, the generators of these myths, like these platforms, you know, like. I just got to make the CIA like the evil <laughs> bugabear again. Like, right? Like well, that, a lot of these people do hate the CIA, though. Yeah, That's well, the they, thing. This is a have... populist movement. This is not people who just like, you know, follow their follow their their dear leader into death. Like they hate the deep state as much as any committed anarchist or Marxist. Like. And we got to get them to 
all agree in the same thing. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, they, it, it does it, seem like there's, uh, yeah, I don't. There's no good way to do this. I don't, I'm suggesting I don't think except for re-education camps again. A red brown ice cream social. Okay. Oh <laughs> no. my god! No. Just like no. we all get together, we, uh-uh. we have some some vegan, um, you know, um, parfaits, you know, <laughs> and if once they taste it and they realize that it's actually really good and that everything they've been told about soy is not true. You know, they'll see me looking all chad, ripped and stuff, and I'll be like, oh yeah, no, I eat like a ton of soy, and they're gonna be like, what? Oh no, I've been lied everything to. I know is wrong. I've been lied to. Chris, did you see the thing where uh, people were making fun of Tucker Carlson about fucking candy, saying that like they're next they're gonna take the dick vein out of uh, the Snickers bar? <laughs> <laughs> See, this no. is what you're missing by not being on Twitter, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. This is the kind of quality grade A humor that you're not getting. Yeah, they'll take they'll take that dick veined candy bar out of my cold dead hands. Right. <laughs> Snickers is uh as far as bar candy, the best candy bar. It's the most turgid. It is. It's I want to eat it and fuck it all at the same time. Yeah. Did you guys know that dry January is pure evil? Yeah. Yes. You're okay. killing jobs. Myself and everyone listening to this who has not been drinking for the past 24 days is a selfish little bitch. And you should feel bad about yourself. Yeah. This comes from Johnny Oleksinski from the New York Post. You know, the New York Post used to be a working class progressive rag for just the everyman, you know, looking to learn about how capitalism was fucking them over this day. Now it's this bullshit. It's like, throw yourself on the gears of COVID. Fuck your sobriety. Fuck your mental wellness. Like we got business to conduct. Where's the lie? Where's the, yeah, exactly. All right. Dry January. You got to be kidding me. The annual month of self-righteous sobriety, in which mostly young people go cold turkey on booze for four weeks and lord it over their non-sober pals, only to immediately hop off the wagon on February 1st. Is this mildly, isn't personal at all. Right? It's mildly annoying in a normal year. But this year, it's a wholly selfish endeavor that's a slap in the face to the struggling bars and restaurants that have suffered a seemingly unending bout of COVID-19. Fellow New Yorkers, this January, I urge you to quash your inner Gwyneth Paltrow, put down the green juice, and put on something other than cashmere joggers. Hit your local watering hole and order up. What? <laughs> was that supposed two- to be given some cashmere joggers? Because I fucking want some. <laughs> was nice. I supposed to be issued those? I know. Well, maybe they'll come with our COVID test kits. Because I have this green jade egg up my ass. That, uh, <laughs> That's all you ever told your, me to put your, there. Yeah. Uh, your, so- your goop gift box has not yeah. been kind at all. But I didn't get any cashmere joggers. <laughs> it's a damn um, shame. The last two years have been tough on this industry as a whole, said Brittany Bel- Belfiore, a bartender no at no relation, a bartender at the Elgin in Midtown, where business has tanked in recent weeks after previously picking up. The other night, I went into the beer cooler and cried for almost ten minutes. There's a bunch of people that usually come in for lunch, and I haven't seen them. Oh, that's sad. Poor Brittany. I do feel bad for Brittany. Yeah. 
If Belfiore's midday regulars are skipping their daily tipple in the name of dry January, what's the point this year? There's nothing tipple? to recover. Tipple. Yeah. You know, like when uh, uh, it's drinking alcohol. A tipple is like a little Ew. bit of alcohol. It sounds too much like <laughs> nipple. And you think nipples are gross. Interesting. Okay. No, just 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 the tipple. <laughs> just the tipple. That should have been the nothing- title of this of this article. <laughs> <laughs> just the tipple. <laughs> There's nothing to recover from. By mid-December, New Yorkers were getting COVID in droves and scrapping Christmas travel plans. Offices weren't hosting festivities, and Broadway and other attractions were hobbling along or giving up entirely. Nights out on the town and holiday excesses were limited or non-existent. I love the idea that Johnny Olixinski thinks that I cannot get trashed in the four corners of my own home. Yeah. And that, like, the events of this year weren't a cause for overdrinking for a lot of people. We also, we went to, we had, we hosted two holiday parties. Uh, I, Christmas Day is nothing but me waking up at nine and passing out at 930 and drinking just every minute of it. (laughs) So, thank you. I do need a dry January. My liver needs a dry January. And this is so weird that this person thinks that, like, people can only party in like the most expensive city in the world doing all the most expensive activities like going to Broadway. Anyway, uh, Belfiore estimated that she's lost about $3,000 in income over the past two months, initially due to the Omicron surge and now the deadly new variant known as Dry January. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Temporary health nuts are turning beloved bars into wastelands at a moment in history in which there have never been more reasons to drink. You can call me a lot of things, but health nut is not one of them. Temporary. (laughs) Temporary health nut. Well, and he says there have never been more reasons to (laughs) (laughs) there have never been more reasons to drink drinking is up something like 20 percent since the start of the pandemic so you know i understand that this has been a rough time specifically for bars but people are drinking americans are drinking more than they have since like post-world war ii um a morning consult poll estimated that 19 percent of americans are partaking in dry january this year up six percent from 2021 up six percent okay let's just relax here but even still, that's more than I would have thought. One out of five Americans are are going dry lot. for the for yeah. the month. Yeah, no, Man, that's a you, lot. Are you guys on like an email list? I'm not on. Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's where he really gets mad. The worst offenders might be those who feel safe enough to go out, but are holier than thou enough to not order an adult beverage. The other day, a guy was Whoa. here with his friend, said Teresa Mayer de la Haba, bartender of McSorley's Old Ale House in the East Village. And the friend said, no, I'm not drinking. Dry January. And just ordered a bit of food. That's Oh, no. Did he patronize your establishment but just choose not to order your – McSorley's beers are mad cheap anyway. Right? Are McSorley's, yeah. McSorley's beers like five or six bucks? Yeah, something uh, like that. They, they, and they sell them in just like these like – yeah, it's a uh, – it's a gim- – yeah. McSorley's isn't going anywhere. That's yeah, right, exactly. This yeah, is, McSorley's, McSorley's is, not in is in this article because the the New York Post guy probably like diddles kids with the 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 owner. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Do we know that about the owner? <laughs> I said tittle. Sorry, tittle T- or tipple, tipple. I said tipple, <laughs> not diddle, tipple. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Wait, no, I no. That would mean that they drink kids. Uh, yeah. Are you accusing somebody of adrenochroming? Yes. 
You better have some evidence about this. Uh... Johnny Schultz, a McSorley's employee for decades, didn't mince words when asked about his feelings on the annual sober foray. It sucks, he yelled. Too right. An optimistic Mayor De La Haba thinks we're rounding the corner on both the virus and our drinking habits and that business will pick up next month. And she has a suggestion. Dry January, then no mask February. Wow. Which seems very likely. Like, I mean, you know, many parts of the country where we are included as seeing already like a serious dip in um, really more like a uh, falling off a mountain number in COVID infections. So, yeah. And uh, there's no masks when you're sitting down. So, yeah, it'll exactly. probably be the case all February. So, yeah, that's that's how we're all destroying the bar industry. You know, what really kind of irritates me about this is that January, especially in northern climates, is always just absolutely dead. Like every business prepares for it. Everybody knows that January is the slowest time of the whole year. So acting like the choice of one in five Americans to not drink during January as if that's like what is destroying bars is a little bit ridiculous. I know it's tough. I used to live those lean those lean weeks of January where I'd come home with like fucking fifteen dollars after a six hour shift. It sucks, but did, it ends. It, it, did you notice it pick up dramatically on February first? Is that like no. one of the biggest drinking, uh, you know, days of the well, year? Back then, pe- dry January wasn't really a thing like it is now. Um, Who's to blame? Is it is it Joe Rogan? Possibly. I know he's, let's, he's, yes. Let's go he, with that. He did yeah. sober October, which was like the. You know, sort of uh, cigar smokers dry January. You know, I don't know where dry January originates. Let's find out. Sober October sounds better than dry January. (laughs) But I need it to come after Christmas. Like, I need it. I need it to come after Christmas. Also, I'm not going to drink on Halloween. Come on. Yeah, that's absurd. Yeah. Fun time. Dry. Dry January, and also like it's fall. Like you want to have, yeah. you know, like your nice fall. You want to have your your pumpkin fest and your uh, October fest and your pumpkin head. And I'm also I'm gonna get liquored up and throw candy at children. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, or like hide and then jump out and scare them, like I did this past year. Yeah. So Dry January began in 2012 as an initiative by Alcohol Change UK, a British charity, to, quote, ditch the hangover, reduce the waistline, and save some serious money by giving up alcohol for 31 days. Um, And those are kind of the biggest reasons that I do it. Like, we just spent a shit ton of money for Christmas on, like, food and drink Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, and gifts. And then I usually put on a solid 10 pounds between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Um, And it's just like, it's just kind of nice to detox, I guess, after just treating my body so, so fucking badly for a two month period. But uh, it is unfortunate that I'm destroying whole industries by doing so. (laughs) I do feel bad. You you and uh, the COVID responsible, you know, like absolutely decimating service work. I mean, that is like, you know, we're seeing like the highest numbers that we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic by like several orders of magnitude. Um, but a steep drop off from, you know, last couple of weeks. I like, I feel confident enough to say that we can record in person next week. Like I, I really do think that this thing is just basically going to be over in, you know, two weeks maybe. So knock on wood. But But I definitely have seen in my own sphere, like, um, uh, sort of, I wouldn't say like, the culture war, but it's, it's, a uh, 
it's a battle within the culture as to the morality of like being out in public, like having fun. Um, and you know, like, um, the idea of like, like, for example, a lot of bars around here and venue spaces have opted for a, um, uh, vaccine requirement at the door check. And that's what they're doing instead of like mandating masks at all times, like during this like record peak that we've seen. And there've been no stay at home orders, no government assistance for, you know, bars and venues of all types. So all these venues are like trying to stay open as much as they can. And the people that are going all have to have vaccines like, you know, triple vax or whatever, and present the evidence at the door. Um, but that isn't stopping people from like getting really mad that they're doing this like online and saying, you know, like, thanks for, you know, recording, uh, you spreading like, you know, this virus that's killing like record numbers of people. Like it's really important that we, we, we have evidence to, to show who's at fault for all of this. Um, and then there's other people that are saying, you know, like it's sort of fucked up that the only thing that's verboten is like going and buying a beer and tipping a server. Like that's the only thing that we're cu culturally uh, scolding, you know. Like, can I feel both? Is that okay? I think you I can. Feel both of I think, those things. I, I think I, I definitely am ambivalent about it. Like, you know, I mean, like I, I, I played like a rock that... show and felt like maybe I shouldn't have, but I ended up doing it anyway because I didn't want to like bail. I mean, like, I don't feel like we need documentary evidence so that we can try people at the Hague. Like, I don't really <laughs> think that I don't think that playing a rock show is like the most immoral thing you can do right now. But I also feel like it's not particularly responsible to be going out now when the peak is so high and when we know that it will pass very soon. I feel like people could maybe just like wait three weeks and, you know, do it when it's safer. Like it's not like the first quarantine when we're locked down for God knows how long. It's a good we know based on the numbers in other parts of the world that's not going to last long. But I also get the I get people who are fucking going to work and exposing themselves at work and then being told like, but you can't have any fun. You know, for me, it's different because I'm home all day, every day. And because of the nature of my job, I'm very afraid of getting it because, uh, like, I can't work with shortness of breath. I can't work with a yeah. cough. Um, so I don't know. I get both sides of it. Like, I think it's do I think that it is uh, without moral quandary to be going out and having a good time in crowded places with other people when a highly contagious virus is at its like zenith i don't think that it is probably a good thing to do but i don't think it's like some kind of shameful like you should be held accountable type of level of you know that's it i guess that's it yeah, yeah no, that think... was a... sorry go ahead. no that's fair <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I was uh, listening to uh, an interview with Justin Feldman, who's this um, public health expert that uh, that's pretty, pretty far to the left. And he he was talking about how, you know, because of the uh, like complete lack of action on the Biden administration's part, you know, all that's left is blaming each other. Right? Yeah, because yeah. exactly. Because you're, that's my because, bigger point. Yeah, because everyone is in an impossible position. Every single person is in a position where their individual action is um, is both contributing to the problem, but also um, not not capable of resolving it because it's a collective action problem yes. that can that really can't 
only be solved by one powerful entity saying, everyone stop. Uh, here's all the resources you need to get through, like, this Omicron peak or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing that can that can do anything. Yeah. It's the only thing. And individual action can reduce it a little bit. And there are, like, things that are are more and less responsible but ultimately we're all we've all just been thrown out on this empty raft that um that that, that just sucks it's just like no one can can get their their uh their hands around it and it i i um i hate it you know but but yeah i do also agree that you know uh it we we shouldn't be like sending people out. I mean, there's a reason why Starbucks is unionizing so uh, rapidly and vociferously. Maybe I don't. Mm-hmm. I, that's a cool word that I could use for this. Right? Yeah, sure. Is that, like, why not? Yeah, right. It's just like seven to eight. You know, to, I mean, like there's a there's quite quite a range of like how many people work at any one Starbucks store. But you know, like just like the grinding like like work that you have to do constantly for people who are less and less uh thankful for you exposing your body for mm-hmm. the sake of a frappuccino mm-hmm. is just like immiserating and yeah. and the idea that you could and and it's clear that no one above you in the pecking order is going to do fucking anything about it yeah. so the best you can do is and it's a really good thing to do is unionize so you have some sort of control over uh over this fucked up situation because no one above you is doing anything and like that's really and that's why uh, you know why i started at the beginning of this rant is just like collective action is the only possible move out of here and 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 instead there's like what fills the void when there isn't collective action are all these like backbiting like shitty bullshit arguments that uh, where like everyone is both right and wrong at the same time, and it just <laughs> yeah. fucking sucks, and it just and it yeah. just makes everyone frustrated and angry. And while at the same time, like some collective action should be taken, which makes it feel like you're doing something wrong or right or righteous, and yeah. and but none of it works. But the, the, we're all the, just going to die. The collective action has to happen at like the highest level of organization, right? Like for example, if you look at a the Chicago Teachers Union, right? They struck. Because they believe that there shouldn't be fucking open school during the biggest peak ever in this like deadly pandemic. And guess who got mad? All of the parents. Because yeah. there was no like state mandate that like, you know, allowed them to stay home with their kids. So their kids still needed childcare. There's no spots for it. The kids need to essentially go to the school. And like, who, now who's pissed at the teachers union? Like all of the people that the teachers union is trying to protect. Like, trying yeah. to protect their kids, trying to protect all these things. And so, like, you're exactly right, David. All we have is, like, a, a game of who to get mad at. And, like, the – and I guess I, I'm, you know, I, I ran right into the crosshairs of this, um, you know, by people taking pictures of me on stage um, having fun. And, like, <laughs> that makes a, a pretty juicy target for getting uh, getting really mad at somebody, you know, like, in this time when, like, you know, we, we should be – um likely like doing everything we can to like not spread this fucking terrible disease um yeah i don't know i would just I, like to say for the record that uh chris i am no longer your friend because Aww. you're you're too punk and um <laughs> and 
Uh, I don't even know. I don't know where to go with that. Oh, I love man. you. I don't I agree you with too. you. I don't think you should have done it, but I love you very much. And I'm glad that you had fun. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've made my peace with these um, uh, mandatory vax uh, checks. You know, like, I think that ultimately the, the, the degree to which the spread increased by, you know, 12 people going to a small show for a couple hours and they're all having, you know, proven that they've done what they can medically to like be less susceptible to get a bad case or spread one. Um, you know, I guess well, I've made my the thing. With that. here's the thing about that is that these are lifestyle choices that we're making. And I don't think that most people at your show decided this is the one thing I'm going to do for this peak. This peak's going to be here for four weeks, and this is the one thing that I'll do. Like, mm -hmm. like people are making decisions about how to live their lives during mm -hmm. this moment in time when spread is very high and it's highly mm -hmm. contagious. And, like, it's not like you just decide to go out once during it. You are going out and feeling like it's safe because there's a vaccine requirement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, like, I don't want to poo-poo anybody. I don't, I'm not here to, like, finger wag or anything. Um, I get it. I also speak from a degree of privilege. I have a type of COVID privilege that most people do not have, which is that I am fine being alone in my house. Like, mm -hmm. I don't need human companionship the way a lot of other people do. I'm a loner. I'm a hermit. Like, I... Self-employed. I have not left this house since other than to go to like the, you know, clubhouse and do other than to like go do work that was I was by myself. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just that's a degree of privilege that most people don't have. And so I get that like people need to be social. They need to be out in public um, in, a, in a way that I can't relate to. But I'm just well, ready for it to be over so that we can stop having these shitty, stupid conversations <laughs> about whether or not you're a terrible person for like having fun on a Thursday night. Yeah. I'm just tired of it. I don't. It's boring and it's useless. All right. Well, the the last and if you're thing listening I'm to say, the show right now, I think you're a great person, and yeah. all the decisions that you make are 100 percent perfect. Yeah. And uh, the last boring, uh, annoying uh, thing I'm going to say is if you feel like getting a breakthrough case uh, and you're in the capital region, I'm going to be playing uh, Saratoga. Desperate Annie's on the 31st with my band Zombie Giuliani. Come out and uh, roll that that uh, COVID roulette wheel. <laughs> I mean, the numbers are going to be like significantly lower by then. They have been yeah. going down very rapidly, so it'll probably be relatively safe by then. Yeah, probably won't be an evil decision. Probably not. Maybe. Who knows? Time will tell. It Either way, you'll be really cool if you do. <laughs> and ultimately, that's what matters more. It's why smoking cigarettes is perfectly fine to do. Is it killing you? Yeah, but you look how cool you look. It doesn't matter. Enough of this. Do you guys want some good news? Yeah. Yes, please. Do we want to do a wildflower? Yes, please. So New York passed this law um, back in 2020 that was going to require the largest uh, producers of food waste to start either donating or recycling them. And COVID meant that they like kind of pushed it back a couple of times. But now the warning period ends in July of 2022. And um, the companies that are most responsible for food waste, you know, grocery stores and restaurants are going to be required to either donate when they can or um, recycle such as uh, using, you know, offering feed scraps to farmers to feed their animals. Um, composting. Composting. Yeah. So um, 
it, or get it in, at the very least get it incinerated. What they're really trying to avoid is this food waste going into landfills where it produces a ton of methane, which is obviously not what we need right now. We do not need more methane. So this is pretty cool. Um, about 7.8 billion pounds of food go to waste every year um, in New York. So um, hopefully, you know, the laws not only hoping to reduce that amount, but also to provide um, jobs and create compost for healthier local soil. So, yeah. Well, hell yeah. Food donations are also anticipated to help over 2.2 million people in New York who face food insecurity. So I assume it'll probably go to food pantries um, like shelters and then also uh, like, you know, agricultural entities, particularly nonprofits, and then um, setting up like local, maybe municipal um, composting sites, which would be really great for just, you know, our depleted soil that is everywhere. <laughs> it is a blight Hell on yeah. the planet. And uh, well, that's New, really York, badass. New York is joining California, Vermont, Connecticut, Rhode Island and Massachusetts in having a similar law. So, so. And New York City has a similar law. So when when does this start getting implemented? Is this like so July, effective immediately? So it, so it has been effective since uh, early 2021, but they extended the so-called warning period, which is where basically like you you better start doing it soon. Yeah, you, you know, like so they extended up. that to yeah July of this year. So it is set to go into effect in July. And some organizations are um, exempt, like schools, uh, hospitals, you know, places where it would be like an undue burden for them to to um, follow this law because they're already resource stretched. So it's basically mostly just like private for profit companies. Interesting. I wonder if this is just one step toward like a municipal composting, like municipal food, like you know, rec reclamation and redistribution process. Like they start with the biggest employers or the biggest generators of food waste. And eventually it becomes something that, you know, every generator of food waste, including potentially even households could like opt into. Like, it would be pretty cool if um, I knew that, you know, say I'm about to uh, go on uh, a needed work trip with little notice. And I have like a bunch of stuff that, still good to eat but like i'm not going to eat it a place to just drop it off like right now like you know food pantries can take like durable goods and stuff like that but like you know they you can't just drop off your chicken salad with like a food pantry yeah or like vegetables that are going to be good for the next two days yeah yeah i mean i think all that would have to happen at the municipal level one thing the state could do is provide funding to municipalities to start projects like that um yeah, yeah which would be very cool but, you know, with how cash-strapped the state is right now, I, I don't foresee that happening in the immediate future. But um, it is something that, you know, Kiani ran on when they were running for city council was, like, uh, improving sort of, like, urban farming conditions and composting. And, um, you know, I think the, like, obviously food waste is terrible for lots and lots of reasons, but um, the fact that it goes into landfills in plastic bags and produces methane, and as the plastic degrades, it releases all of that methane into the... That's like... That is just not good. It's... No. It is, yeah. It is like the doomsday clock just speeding up with every fucking apple core you throw away. Chickens. Municipal chickens? That would be so... How cool would it be to have, like, a municipal chicken coop? You could take yeah. your food scraps, too, and trade your food scraps for eggs. I think that'd be neat. Yeah. And if you, uh, you know, before we have that, um, and you live in Lansingburg, I, I know a guy 
I know a guy who's got a, a whole coop full of hens, and they they love your trash food. Yeah, give give <laughs> those like, chickens some trash. Yeah, hit me up. Get get in my DMs. I want to get chickens, but I, it's so impractical for me. Oh my really? god, I already have so many living creatures to take care of. I think you could handle chickens. I'm I think sure you, I, I could. I think you've got the real estate. We have the real estate, ch- but it's it's the dedication. It's the but, time. You know, you, the chickens have to be taken care of multiple times a day, every single day. But think about the child ghosts. You know, they need oh enrichment. And like, <laughs> Do you think kids, I could get the child ghosts to care for them? I, they, I'm, I'm sure they'd hang out. Did I ever tell if, you uh, about the uh, kitten that adopted us through our chickens by first? Oh, yeah. 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 A little wildcat. Little wildcat um, adopted herself into a chicken coop, uh, and then whenever we'd go and feed the uh, chickens, uh, she'd run and hide. And she was like this tiny little kitten. So we started like <laughs> leaving like cat food in the chicken coop, um, like higher than what the chickens could get to, but like somehow like the cat could. And eventually, the cat just hung out and became like an outdoor pet. We tried bringing it inside, but uh, it would freak out. <laughs> and the cat never tried to kill the chickens. No. No, in fact, cool. uh, it, it gave birth in the coop, which was Aww. like the real breakthrough uh, as to our bonding with it. Um, um, yeah, uh, we found out one, it was female then. <laughs> and, uh, <Yeah. laughs> and I also saw that uh, cats eat their placenta with, z- yes. with vigor and without yeah. hesitation. And that was eye opening. Um, a, lot, a lot of mammals do. Yeah, but that little it's very cat, nutrient it, dense, and you need was, nutrients to breastfeed. So, and, and the cat was like um, stunted in its growth, right? So, it never really got much bigger than like a kitten size. But it pumped out four kittens that cumulatively were like twice its mass by the time it was <laughs> done we weaning them, uh, which blew my mind again. I was just like, "Holy yeah. shit!" Mammals <laughs> like, are incredible, man. Like, like you, <laughs> that shit came from you. <laughs> I saw a cat on TikTok that gave birth to twelve kittens. Twelve. Twelve. That Holy is so many shit. kittens. Yeah, this one That's was too many only kittens. Yeah, I agree. Four, I think, four or five. They all got adopted out. Really adorable. But yeah, so I'd say get those kid ghosts some pets, some outdoor pets, ideally. And I think chickens are perfect for them. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, maybe for its birthday, I'll have to head over to the tombstone and see yeah, when I was ex- born. Exactly. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Iron Weeds, and we really hope you enjoyed it. We're about to record an episode uh, for the bonus feed. We are going to be talking about for-profit adoption, which is very disturbing, um, something I learned about a couple of weeks ago and have been doing some research on, so we'll discuss that. We're going to talk about bros abusing AI girlfriends. Very strange shit. Chris has got some takes. We're going to find out. You're going to hear all of them at patreon.com slash ironweeds for as little as a dollar a month. <laughs> um and uh, tomorrow, in theory, I think we'll be releasing, I will be releasing the next uh, first episode of the reaction series on Phyllis Schlafly. Oh, so that's so only going to go excited. on the Patreon feed at first. So if you are a $7 patron of this show or if you are separately a patron of reaction, um, you'll get that tomorrow. And if you're not, you will get it. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Maybe next Saturday, maybe next Monday, Tuesday, something like that. We'll see. Um it's really good. I'm really excited. I was worried that it was boring, so I sent it to David, and he assures me that it is, in fact, very interesting. So Extremely not boring. Um, oh, yeah. I'm so envious boring, that he got an early fault. listen. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had to read it, unfortunately. I, yeah, I only had to read it. He had to do the hard work. Uh, I read it in Britney's voice, though, in my head. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, certainly a, hear it often enough. 
Um, and I think that will do it for us. If you want to follow us in the meantime on Twitter. Ironweeds Pod. And you can also find us on Instagram. David's been killing it with Instagram, posting the, the episode art that I lovingly craft. I want you guys to know that I do spend a solid 20 minutes every week on the episode art. And they can find that at... Ironweeds Pod. And if you want to send us an email, we got a couple of emails that I didn't read yet, and I apologize, um, but we, I will read them soon. And uh, if you want to add to the list of emails that I haven't read yet, you can do that at IronweedsPod. At <laughs> Man, we're going to get back in sync next week. I'm so fucking excited. I know, it's going to be exciting. You know what? It's actually pretty easy to edit us into sync, probably easier than it is when we're in person together. But uh, uh, anyway, thank you so much. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Peace.